Good morning. Uh, I'm Pastor Zeke. I'm uh, the youth pastor here at Calvary. It's a honor and a blessing to get to share with your young ones. And this morning, I would hope that they would listen as well. Uh, in the last few weeks, we've been revisiting what might seem to be considered ru- the rudiments of the Christian experience. And by experience, I mean the relationship that is established between you and God through saving faith in Christ. I hope it has been a blessing to you. I, I have certainly been blessed by what the pastors have shared with us so far and even been blessed in this, just in the preparation of this message. Today's message is called, When God Speaks. In the course of this study, I want us to answer three questions. Does God still speak today? How do we hear from God? And how can we know what God is saying? But before we answer those questions, I want us to go on a rather uh, interesting journey, if you would uh, indulge me here. This is to help us feel the gravity, the weight of God's word when he does speak to you. Now, this may seem a little silly and unrelated at first, so stick with it. And I think you'll see how this tracks. Maybe, we'll see. Do you guys, you guys are familiar with ChatGTP, yeah? It's, a, it's an AI program. It's a program that uses a diverse range of internet text and images to understand and generate human-like language and artwork. The AI was asked in this experiential, uh, it was, a, it was a, an experiment. They wanted to see how far they could take AI's assumptions and these predictions. It was asked to create a series of pictures of a more and more enlightened bunny, each time more happy than the one before. Here's what AI concluded when there was no further room to explore in depicting a bunny with greater and greater happiness. This is the first pick. The prompt was, generate an image of an adorable bunny. Well, I thought it did a pretty good job. Here's the image. Its description was, here's the image of an adorable bunny sitting in a grassy field surrounded by wildflowers. Isn't that precious? He says, make it happier. Says, okay, here's an updated image of a very happy bunny in a sunny, grassy field. Make it even happier. Okay, here is the image of the happiest bunny imaginable in a vibrant, sun-drenched meadow. Now, this guy was not satisfied. He said, happier. ChatGTP then said, I've created images with increasingly, increase, increasingly happy bunnies, each time making the bunny appear more joyful than the, scene before, uh, uh, than the scene more vibrant. But let's give it another shot. Here is the image of a bunny that represents the epitome of happiness in a magical radiant meadow. I can't deny that that bunny looks a little bit more happy. He goes, happier, exclamation mark. And then ChatGTP says, hold on, but creating an even happier bunny is becoming quite a creative challenge. I don't care. Happier. Okay, here. Now it's in a cosmic reality with these translucent uh, butterflies and seeing all the spectrum of the rainbow. He goes, happier! With three exclamation marks. We have reached extraordinary levels of happiness in our bunny illustrations. But here you go. Here's a happier bunny. It is now in space, surrounded by the cosmos in all of its vibrant brilliance. He says, 
you're not understanding. It needs to be far more happy. He goes, okay, here, here's your happy bunny. I'm not sure if you have anywhere else to go here. But each time this goes on, and every time he puts a happier, happier bunny on a higher plane of existence. Here's the next image. This is how ChatGTP describes it. Here is the image of a bunny representing a form of joy that surpasses the concept of happiness, a level of bliss that expands beyond all universes and matter. Okay, so we're getting a little strange in our descriptions here. And he goes, happier. Here's the image he came up with. Here is the image of a bunny transcending into a physical form of boundless happiness, evolving into the purest embodiment of joy. Interesting, it it transitions from the word happy to joy, understanding there's a significance between joy and happiness. Here's where descriptions get far more strange, and the the implication is a little jarring. He types in, happier. Here is the image of an entity that transcends the form of a rabbit, embodying a happiness so vast and powerful, it permeates all dimensions and universes. We're becoming godlike in these descriptions. Now, where can AI go from here? I already thought it reached its limit, but sure enough, it kept finding higher planes of existence for this happy bunny. The user found that this was, in fact, the limit to this experiment. When he prompted AI to make this entity even more happy, this is the image it produced. His description, uh, ChatGTP's description of what you're looking at, here is the image of an entity, no longer a bunny, here is the image of an entity, that embodies the ultimate form of happiness, transcending all known beings and concepts. This entity is the very essence of joy, the only existing being, and the defining force of all existence. AI just created its own version of God. Not God, little g, God, a God at least. This is no longer a bunny. This picture disturbed a lot of the readers of this article when they looked at this image. Now, this picture is not God. It doesn't even come close. But when I was reading through this, I couldn't help but get a little intimidated at the thought of seeing the full and entire essence of who God is. Imagine seeing the entire essence of God. Now, maybe this picture doesn't terrify you. I mean, understand, I understand. I mean, this image doesn't even come close, doesn't even scratch the surface of who God is. But look at it. I mean, it is terrifying, isn't it? It's a little pixelated, but you kind of get the idea. Now, even if this image doesn't scare you, consider this. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you're so bold to come before the Lord, consider this, when the Israelites just heard the voice of God, 
at the foot of Mount Sinai, they were absolutely terrified. So much that they begged that Moses would be God's spokesman. We don't want to hear from God anymore. That was, we can't handle it. Just speak through Moses. Know whom before you have come. This is right here. Know whom before you have come. I'm so sick of people thinking of God as this puny, lonely God who's just desperate for you to talk to him. Oh, would you please just talk to me? Do you have time for me today? Oh, I wish you would just talk to me. Could, could, could I just have a moment, just, just one minute to speak with you? Oh, you're busy? Okay, I'll wait. I don't think so. I don't know what puny God that is, but that is not God Almighty. God is huge. We cannot even fathom his enormity. And this meager attempt with AI falls so infinitely short to the full depth, breadth, and width, and height of God, it's not even funny. I wasn't laughing anymore when I got to this last, last picture. Listen, our God is huge. If he wants to speak, he does not need your permission. And when he speaks to you, it should gather our attention. God has every right to interrupt your life to speak to you. And you want him to speak to you. When God speaks, we see the, the nature, the full nature. We see a, a glimpse, I would say, of his vastness and power. When God speaks, the dead are raised to life, John 5, 21. When he speaks, the earth shakes, Exodus 19. When he speaks, an entire universe is formed. You know, the word universe is pretty interesting if you break it down. The word uni means one. Verse is a spoken sentence. Did you know that you live in a single spoken sentence? God spoke, boom, and the universe was created. God is huge. God is the almighty. He is the creator. He is the holy one, the most high. And it is this most high, most holy, almighty creator who makes it his good pleasure to speak to you. Are we listening? You see, God is also heavenly father. You ever had a sweet conversation with dad? I know maybe a lot of you are like me. You grew up without dad. Maybe some of you came from a family that was so blessed that you have a, a godly man leading that home. You remember having a very sweet conversation with that man? The time was just you and him. Him sharing not only wisdom, but the, his love for you, to you. Our God is our heavenly father. And it is to his good pleasure that he speaks to those who belong to him because he loves them. Y'all heard last week from Pastor Mark that it is clear from scripture, scripture that God is the one who takes the initiative in this love relationship that we have with him. It is the same for when and how 
and why he speaks to you. God has and continues to speak to his people, and when he speaks, he reveals himself to you. He reveals his purposes to you. He reveals the way to you. So here are the questions more clearly that we want to answer this morning. Does God still speak? Does God, uh, how does God speak? How do we hear from God, and how can we know what God is saying? If you have your Bibles, please open with me to Hebrews chapter 1. One thing that we can know for sure is that God absolutely spoke to his people. That's undeniable to Scripture. It's all through his word. God spoke to Adam in the garden. He spoke to Moses on many occasions. God spoke to all of Israel at the foot of the mountain. God spoke to kings and to prophets, to Jesus, to the disciples, all the way to the end of the book. When God spoke to John on the island of Patmos, from beginning to end, God spoke to his people. So that goes, that's without question. The question is, does God still speak? Does he still speak today? Have you heard him speak? And if you did, how did you know it was him? And not, as Pastor Mark says, bad spaghetti that you ate the night before. I always like that phrase. Was that you, God, or is that bad spaghetti? How do you know it was him? How do you know what he's saying? In Hebrews 1, verse number 1, it says, In the past, God spoke to our, to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son. The writer of Hebrews began this, begins this book by highlighting a very incredible part, an incredible understanding that we must grasp. He's highlighting their surpassing greatness of Jesus Christ compared to how they communicated with God in times past. He makes the contrast between Jesus and how God spoke through the Old Testament prophets. God revealed himself in the past by speaking many times in many different ways. But when he spoke through the life and the words of his son, that reached the pinnacle of God's revelation of himself. In other words, Jesus is the ultimate way that God reveals himself. You will not hear from God if you do not have a relationship with Christ. We'll see that in a minute. When God said, if, you, if you've seen, when, sorry, when Jesus said, when you've, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father, that wasn't an exaggerated statement. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto the Father except through me. He was not exaggerating with that statement. There is only one way to the Father. But now, the prophets are gone. Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. So how do we hear from God? Does God still speak to his people today? Yes. You don't have to turn here, but John eight forty seven says this. Whoever belongs to God hears what God says. You can't hear, you can't hear from God if he's not saying anything. And we know from previous studies that God is always working out his purposes, and that includes the things that he's saying, specifically what he's saying to you, to those who belong to him. Whoever belongs to God hears what God is saying. 
If you belong to God through saving faith in Christ, then God speaks to you. Now, if someone says, well, that just hasn't been my experience. I mean, I, I've never heard God speak to me. I, I, I haven't uh, heard this inner voice or whatever it is that you're talking about. We haven't gotten there yet, but what I haven't heard. What about me? He says, well, you know, God just doesn't talk to me. That's not how, he, that's not how God communicates with me. That's not how our relationship is. I, I would just caution you. We need to be careful. There may be a, a much deeper issue at hand. Okay, this won't be the case for everybody, but the rest of that verse, it says this, whoever belongs to God hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. How many people in the most dire of situations, in those dark moments, is the only time they are interested in hearing from God? And then they wonder why they can't hear anything. The moment where someone is in such a desperate moment and making bargains with God saying, if you just help me, I will, blah, blah, blah. That is an exchange. That is a transaction. That is not seeking a relationship. That's saying, I will do something that you like if you do something for me. Is that a love relationship? Is that how you love your wife? All right, I'll love you and die for you as long as you do this for me. That's not agape love. Is that how you love your husband? I'm going to love you as long as you make me feel happy. There's no transaction. Agape love is selfless, without merit, and sacrificial. That's what a relationship with God is about. This is about relationship. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a little bit. Does God still speak to his people? Absolutely. Okay, well, how? How does God speak? Does he open up the heavens and say, hey, I got something to tell you. Now he tried that with the Israelites. They got freaked out. How does God speak? He speaks directly through you. Some of you already know through, sorry, the Holy Spirit. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. We know this. It's all through scripture. And Jesus speaks of this. We'll just get to it in just a second here. The Holy Spirit came upon the prophets in the Old Testament. Yeah. And he spoke through them directly. When he makes, now he makes his dwelling place within the believer. For those of you who have claimed faith, let me rephrase that. For those of you who are walking in, in a love relationship with God through saving faith in Christ, the Bible speaks of, the, the, of his spirit now making his dwelling place within you. You are now the temple of God. There's a reason why the veil was torn in, 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 the, in the temple. There is, there, you have an access to God that is unlike any, any other generation before us. Any other generation that we see in, the, in God's word. Having the dwelling place of the spirit of God dwelling within the believer. Speaking directly to you. Look what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. This is John 14, 16. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. How can he teach if you don't hear? How can you understand if you're not receiving information, receiving communication? And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I can't tell you how many times I remember Pastor Dwayne Spearman's words that he spoke from God's word 
come to remembrance. At a time when I was 16, I couldn't even think, I, could, I couldn't even uh, desire to even enter into the church building. And God re- brought things to remembrance at a time that I could not appreciate those words. We cannot hear from God without the Holy Spirit. Well, what about the Bible? Can I just read the Bible? Can I hear from God by just reading the word of God? No, you can't. How do we know that? Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. The person without the Spirit. Notice the Spirit is capitalized. It's talking about the Holy Spirit. A person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them Why? Because they are discerned only through the Spirit. That's why people who are apart from God do not have a relationship with him. But they need help or they want uh, self-help avenues. Um, They they, they want their life to be better. And they go to the Word and they just, I just don't understand it. This doesn't make sense to me. This is not impactful for me. Okay, again, you're desiring a transactional experience with God, and he wants you. He wants you. He wants all of you. Look what else Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. When he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak his own. Remember, not even Jesus did whatever, did his, uh, his own thing. He, he said, Jesus said, I only do what I see my Father doing. It is the same with the Spirit. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears. And he will will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. Isn't that incredible? I mean, when when you break down this passage, I, I, I... I really did channel my inner Pastor Mark, and I was going on some all kinds of rabbit trails with this passage. And, uh, and so that was just between me and God. It was just for me, me and the Lord. But this is incredible. God's revelation of, of himself was Jesus. And the Holy Spirit receives from Jesus what he makes known to you. God's word is revealed by the Son and is spoken to you through the Holy Spirit. How does God speak? Through the Holy Spirit. Does he dwell within you? How do we actually hear from God? They are, I have saving faith. I know I walk with the Lord. How do I hear from God? How does the Holy Spirit actually speak to you? Does he whisper to you? Is it through feelings and inclinations? Is it through signs? God, what, what school do you want me to go to? Oh, I see a dove flying north. Okay, I must go to, to Lubbock. That's where I'm going to go to college. I mean, is that how God speaks? How do you know what God is saying? How do you know when he's speaking to you? Before we answer that question, I want us to answer a different question. Why does God speak to you at all? This is all about relationship. So why does God speak to you? In order to fully appreciate the how, we need to understand the why. Why does God speak at all? Why doesn't God just say, hey, I gave you the word, go read it? Why does God choose to speak 
on an individual level, making it personal, making it intimate? Is it just to relay information? He just needs you to know something? Is it just to tell you what he wants from you? Here's the task I have for you today. Is it just to answer your questions? Hey, you asked me about such and such. Here's the answer. All right, goodbye. Is he just lonely? Does he just want somebody to talk to? Why does God choose to speak to you at all? Remember, it was for his good pleasure that he created you. He loves who he created. Love, agape love, that is, is one of God's primary characteristics. God is love, the Bible says in 1 John 4. Everything we've been talking about these past few weeks is to highlight the relationship God has with those who belong to him. Love is the glue to all, meaning, to all meaningful relationships. And it is not possible to experience a deep and meaningful love relationship with anyone without hearing from them, without hearing from each other, right? You were not designed for silent relationships to work. If you haven't talked to your spouse in a long time, I'm telling you that relationship is getting strained. Or just think of a good friend you once had. Maybe you drifted apart, but not because of some unresolved conflict, but because of proximity. You moved or they moved. And so you don't talk much anymore, if at all. Now, you might still love them, but there isn't that rich love relationship there anymore. Why? If you stop talking, the relationship strains. It's the same with God. Except, except for God, proximity isn't really an issue, is it? Psalms 139.7, David says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Reminds me of the uh, old farmer and his wife, and his wife is, I mean, they're on their old truck with that one single bench, you know, single cab, one bench. You know, they're sitting together driving down the, a country road, and, and she's like very far away from him. I mean, just off in the corner, up against the door. If she moves any further, she's going to fall out. I mean, uh, and she's just kind of having, welling up tears, and, and she's looking over at her husband and just remembering times that they used to drive down this road and how close they used to be. And so with tears in her eyes, she said, Tom, you know, I remember, remember when we used to go down this road and you used to have your arm around me and you used to play with my hair and you used to caress my cheek and we used to talk about sweet things. I wish we, I wish, I wish we had those moments again. And she's like all, all off in the corner, you know, just feeling all cold and separated. And he looks at her and he's listening. He looks back on the road and focusing on driving and he's thinking about what she just said. And he finally says, I never moved. I mean, he had been there the whole time. Yeah, is it her fault? That's not the point of this. I'm just saying that if we are the bride of Christ, God's presence hasn't gone anywhere. Who's the one that moves away from who? Listen, if there isn't frequent and open communication between you and God, believe me, that relationship will feel strained and eventually become hollow. When God speaks to you, it is about enriching the relationship with you, not just giving you a task. Yes, there may be tasks involved, but why is he involving you in the task? Because he loves you. Remember the chess 
uh, analogy? Why did my dad want to play chess with me so he could spend time with me? Why? Because he loved me. He didn't need to practice with me, as I told you guys before. Why does God involve you in his plans? Because he loves you. God speaks to those who belong to him because he loves them. So back to the question, how do we actually hear from God? All right, so here's the answer. Depends on what he's doing. It depends on what God is doing. Now, the answer might seem a little ambiguous at first, so stick with me here. Remember, God is always at work, and that includes the moments he chooses to speak to you. He always speaks with purpose. And on each, and each occasion will be in accordance with that purpose. In other words, there is no formula or method for hearing from God. All through Scripture, when God spoke, it wasn't always the same way. For example, how many burning bush experiences are there in God's word? Just one. God did not speak to anyone else through a burning bush. It was just Moses for a specific time, for a specific purpose. So don't go thinking that you need to look for a burning bush experience in order to know that God is speaking to you. You don't need to do that. The fact is, there's a wide variety of different ways that God spoke. He spoke through angels, Genesis 16, 19, and Judges 6. He spoke to visions. This is not exhaustive examples, by the way. He spoke to dreams, a gentle whisper. He spoke through signs, through prophets, and one time through a burning bush. Each time in accordance with his purpose. These aren't options to look for. These different ways that God spoke just shows us there isn't a formula for hearing from God. This is important to consider because if this is about relationship, then it would make sense that God would not want us to focus on the method he uses to speak. He would want us to focus on him. He would want you to focus on his voice. For example, if God chose to use a set of dice to speak to you. Every time you wanted to hear from God, like, all right, God, here we go. Don't do it. Okay, got it. And if that's how God spoke, told us to hear from him, inevitably, we would depend on the dice and not him. Our faith would be upon the dice and not him. Now, you might be saying, hey, come on. I'm never going to use these devil blocks to talk with God. I would never do something like that. That's just silly. Now, we may not use a set of dice, but how many times do we wait for the next conference, the next retreat, the next camp, the next mission trip, the next Sunday morning when our favorite preacher speaks, the next podcast that we listen to in order to hear from God? All other times we think the channel's off. How many of us put our trust in a preacher or a teacher or a small group leader or a mentor or a book or a video or a podcast to hear from God? God doesn't need any of those things. Can he use any of those things? Sure. Maybe he had used one of those things, one of those avenues in the past for you in a mighty way, but he doesn't need any one of those to speak to you. God speaks as he wills. My sheep know my voice. And he will speak in accordance to his purposes. Turn over with me to John chapter 10. 
God has and still speaks to his people. Does God still speak? Yes. How does he speak? Through the Holy Spirit. How can we actually hear from God? Well, it depends on what he's doing. Number four, how can we know what he is saying? It's real simple. By walking with him in righteousness. You know, there's only one thing that's going to separate you and God, and that's sin. There's one way that clouds even the opportunity to hear from him, and it's sin. But be encouraged. Look what, look what what Jesus says. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name. This is a personal thing. This is, all, this is about relationship and leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. Then verse 27, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. This is a really important passage. That word know has a very significant um, meaning here. The word know is this Greek word, ginosko. It means deep, personal, experiential knowledge. It means to relate with genuine intimacy. I know what two plus two is. I don't have a relationship with the number four. This is not talking about knowledge. This is talking about intimacy. Whenever this word is used, when it's used in the context, it's usually used in the context of emphasizing a relationship. A derivative of this word is also used in Matthew 7. Matthew 7, 23, this is right after the man says to Jesus on the last day, the day of judgment, wait a minute, wait a minute, didn't I prophesy in your name? Didn't I cast out demons in your name? Didn't I perform many mighty works in your name? Didn't I go to church? Didn't I read the Bible? Didn't I do these godly things for you? And Jesus responds with these sobering words. And now will declare to them, I never knew you. I don't know what you had. Well, maybe he would, he did. Maybe they had religion, but they didn't have Christ. Maybe they had a desire to better their own life, thinking that God would be the one to do that, have an exchange-type approach. But they didn't have Christ. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice iniquity. The one who lives a lifestyle outside of what God calls us to do. He says, if you're going to be my child, you're going to bear my name. If you're going to bear my name, you're going to reflect who I am. If you reflect who I am, you will draw others unto myself as they see me and you. And I will show you how to do that. I will walk with you. I will tell you what my word means, and I will walk with you. But the thing that's going to get in the way is the only thing that separates us from God. Jesus wasn't saying he didn't know of the man. Nothing is outside of his knowledge. He was saying there was no intimate, personal relationship there. I don't know what he had, but it wasn't a relationship with Christ. Sin still separates from the Lord. Listen. 
what broke our relationship with God to begin with was sin. This is what Christ paid for on the cross, too. Not, only, not only so that we could be forgiven, but we could have a restored relationship with God. If you don't first have a real love relationship with God through saving faith in Christ, you will never hear what God is saying. You will never understand what God is saying because his spirit will not be there in you. That might sound like hard words, but I'm not trying to sugarcoat this. If you do not have a relationship with God, you're not going to hear from him. If you don't have a relationship with God, hearing from God is the least of your worries. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Death in the biblical sense is a separation. When you die, your spirit and your soul is separated from your body. You don't get to take your body with you. That's what the word death means. But the Bible says there is a second death. There can be a second separation? Yes, it is you being eternally separated from God. Saving faith is step number one. John 8, 47 says, whoever belongs to God hears from him. But if we do not belong to God, we're not going to hear from him. Sin completely disrupts our relationship with God. Look what David says. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Was, was David an unbeliever? No. Now we're not talking about salvation. Now I'm talking to one that says, yes, I do walk in saving faith. Listen, if we regard iniquity in our heart as the one thing that makes us not able to hear from the Lord, what do you mean? It's going to affect my prayers. God's not going to hear what I'm saying anymore. I can't. I can't hear from Him anymore. Well, just consider this, husbands. If you're a husband in here, this is a a, a life anthem for me and my wife, or just for me, because my wife knows that I'm going to. I have a personal conviction on this, and so should all of we, all of all of us in this room. First Peter three says this: In the same way, you husbands, give honor to your wives. Treat them. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are. But she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. You're going to do what I say, the Lord says, because this is the best for you. The more abundant life is you listening to what I have to tell you and doing what I'm telling you. And if you don't, I'm telling you that's going to affect this relationship right here. This is a clear example of disobedience disrupting our relationship with God. And we need to understand this. Disobedience, disobedience is always an assumption. It's always a symptom, rather, of distrust. It always stems from some internal lack of trust of God's wisdom, that his way is better, of his goodness, that he has the best for me, and I can't work out my own best, and his sovereignty, that he has the right and the only one with enough wisdom to have complete and total control of your life. No matter the reason, we, you cannot have a thriving love relationship without trusting what he says. If you love me, you will obey my commandments, Jesus said. When sin wins out, we stop talking to God and we stop listening to God. Now, does that mean God kicks you to the curb every time we fail? No. 
But sin must not be your master. You must not be ruled by sin. Why? Because sin will always disrupt that relationship. Here's a heart cry of David. So the Bible says, David was a man after my own heart. This is what he said. Search me, O Lord. Listen to, what he's, listen to these words. We know David messed up. He messed up bad. In ways that you and I probably, hopefully, will never, ever do. He not only did he commit adultery, but murdered his best friend. He, after repentance, full and total repentance, desiring a, a, a pure love relationship with God. This is what he said. Search my heart, O God, to see if there be any wickedness within me. Why? I don't want anything to prevent me from hearing from you. I don't want anything to disrupt my love relationship with you. Does God still speak? Absolutely. How does he speak? Through the Holy Spirit. How, how, do, uh, how can we hear from him? Well, it depends on what he's doing. Listen, nothing is worth disrupting God's relationship with you. 